0: Oh, got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle, got Mike Brown to beat at the last line of defense and here goes Joseph, Joseph's going to get over! The well, he was absolutely knocked
1: back into the next week by Atwood. Dave Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside, Oh Watson goes magnificently on the outside!
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Bath Rugby Plug Podcast, the podcast by the fans for the fans, back here plugging the boys in blue, black and white. And oh yes, we're back this week with plenty to talk about, so let's get into it. I'm joined by Charlie. Hello everyone, how are we? And Tom. Yeah, how are you mate? And just to start off, the a momentous occasion uh, this weekend in the rugby world, as myself and Charlie made our long-awaited rugby returns for Old
3: Suleians against Creugheurn, and we managed to get the victory. Charlie, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm pretty sore. I don't know if I've mentioned it to you, Gabriel, but try my score. hamstrings. Yeah, I, I try scoring, Charlie. Try scoring <laughs> on in debut, t- running
0: from two yards.
3: Yeah, it was, and then I uh, got sat on my ass and uh, let a try in about ten minutes later. So uh, moving on quickly. Uh, <laughs> Good to get the win, good to be back on the field.
0: Um, and Tom, you were up, uh, up at Allianz, weren't you? How was that? Yeah, it was. Um, well, I guess we'll come on to the game and talk about that. Talk about that. But I have to say, actually, it was a really good atmosphere at, at Allianz Park. Um, they've got a really good uh, bunch of fans, they're really gracious in victory. And you know, on another note, uh, the bars and stuff there are a really good setup. I thought I should try out uh, you know, some of the drinks on offer, and you can get jugs there, you know, four pint jugs for, for, for a really good price. So it's a really good atmosphere. It's good, good speaker system as well. So yeah, it's a bit of a party. Shame about the result though. Yeah, exactly. And to, so to come on this podcast today,
2: we've got we're going to dissect that game that you saw Tom um, at Allianz Park. Obviously, Bath's defeat to Saracens. We've also got very special guest Charlie Yule, obviously captain Bath um, at the weekend, and we've got him. We popped me and Charlie went up to Farley House uh, earlier in the week to um, to speak to him. So we've got that. We'll also preview the extra game and talk about the the open letter from Tarkin McDonald um, about about coaching changes and other things so let's get on to the game and of course 13 changes to the to the side
0: Tom what was your reaction to that initially before we talk about the game in detail yeah I, th- I think from from a personal perspective it was pretty disappointing um, you know particularly being a game it did seem like um, we'd sort of waved the white flag before before the the uh, starting whistle had even blown. Um, having said that, though, um, I actually think taking a longer-term view, it was probably a wise decision. I don't think we win Allianz Park. We've never won at Allianz Park. I don't think we would have won even if we had our our first team out. You know, we we know um, how hampered we can be with injuries. And one of the points we've made repeatedly on this podcast is that we need to prevent those injuries. Uh, better and that doesn't just happen off the field but on the field. So uh yeah, eight very tough games to start the season. Um Exeter uh this week uh then Toulouse then Wasps um sometimes I think uh you just gotta uh, pick the games that you you know uh, yeah, that you think you can win.
3: Of of course but I, I'm I'm kinda sat on the fence on this. Uh I agree with your point, do have to, you know like rest players to uh, prevent injuries. Um uh, and you've got to manage your squad wisely, which, of course, Todd is trying to do, and hopefully we can put our great performance against Exeter on Friday, but um, 13 changes is a lot, and it, as you say, it is waving the white flag. He has sacrificed a, sacrificed a game, and I I mentioned last week on the pod I would have been happy with, with one point, and we were a try away from getting just at least a point on the road, yeah. and in the league as it is, it's, it's so competitive, and, you know, we want to be pushing for top four. We've all said, we've all predicted top four. Uh, you know, Gabriel obviously thinks we're going to win the whole thing. But um, Gabriel, if we're if we're not even putting out a full strength side against saris uh, do you think that says that we can win the league? No,
2: it really actually, um, it really frustrates me actually this team selection because um, I completely agree with the point you made, Tom, about um, injuries and needing to rest players um, for the for the longer term future. But I'd much rather see us rest players against Harlequins away, or or other slightly easier games we've had in the season, rather than Sarries away. You know, we should be priming our boys for that game. That should be one of the biggest games of the season. Like, what is our ambition here? Like, not to throw too many spoilers in, but when we speak to Charlie Eales later on, he certainly pans out. He's pretty ambitious about Bath's ambitions this season, and it just it's slightly disappointing me. Like. If our ambition is to, is to stay up, stay in the league, then yeah, you rest players for this. But if our ambition is to challenge the likes of Saracens, challenge the likes of this, then you, you keep your players fit for this game and you put your best team against Saracens. And when you want to rest players, you rest players against slightly weaker teams that you
0: think you might be able to beat anyway. But do you think we had any realistic chance of winning that game, even if we'd put out a full strength side? 100%. Like There's obviously a chance. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think there was ever a chance that we were going to beat that Saracen side. And and if you look at it, and everyone's talking about these, these changes that have been made, but the irony of, of this whole thing is is that if you look at the result against Saracen, so 23 points, that's a better result than the 35 points we, we conceded we lost by last season. And before that, in the 2016 season, it was 43 points. And we scored more tries than we ever tries than we ever have done. So... I, I don't and I don't think well, that, the performance was was, but, was was negative either really. I think it was a decent performance. But Tom And I think you've got to be pragmatic with these these decisions, to be honest. Of
3: course, but that, that point you've just made there has been our, our best result, as you said, up at Saracens for the past couple of years, with one of the weakest teams. So if we had put out a full strength exactly. team, then who knows what could have happened. You know, we could have completely turned them over. We could have had our best our, our real best result there and actually got the win.
2: This, this is the best
3: incarnation of this
2: bar team under Blackadder and probably for the last, you know, and including Ford's final season. And therefore, if we'd gone up there with our first team and what sort of message does it send to the squad? Like not just this week, but long term, if, if the coaches think, you know, we're not good enough. My first team isn't even good enough to go up there and get the victory. I understand completely. Well, I understand why he did it, but I think that there would have been other occasions when I'd like to see the players rested in order to, to prevent injuries.
3: No, it's uh, I, I, I'd i agree with you. Um, but as you say, people do need to be rested. But we did rest
0: the likes of, of Alital and Atwood a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and Atwood's come out saying that uh, prior to the game, uh, in a bit of a slip potentially, saying that he wants to play against, against Allianz Park, he's rowing to go, and then, and then they rest him. So that inconsistency of message isn't helpful. And I think the other point to pick out as well, everyone's spoken about this this thirteen changes. But I think potentially the more telling number is on the bench. So there were five forwards uh, on the bench who haven't played for the first team this season. And, you know, I watched the game live, so obviously get a slightly different perspective to you boys watching it on TV. But one of the major, basically the final nail on the coffin during that game, we were keeping within touching distance. When that new front row came on, um, suddenly we were being dominated in the set piece in a way we haven't seen all season. Um so I think, uh, yeah, the, the bench as well was 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 actually a bit of a cause for concern because they just clearly weren't at uh, the level of, of the opponents.
3: Yeah, that's that 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 was uh, what I really picked out was the you know the, the physicality uh, we just couldn't really match them for, especially in that second half. You know, we got completely blown away, uh, and it was it almost felt inevitable. Uh, I don't know what you felt about the situation, Gabriel, but the, especially when the, the changes were wrong, it. It, you did see the difference in class, especially on the bench.
2: Yeah, yes. We have spoken, obviously, about our pack this season and how impressed that we've been with them. Um, and I think it was probably a wake-up call for for us that, you know, Saracen's way they play is probably a similar start to the way we want to play. And that's the level that we need to get to. I think it was a slight wake-up call um, for us in the physicality departments and especially in the scrum department, as you mentioned, which um, we we really struggled in that department department at the weekend. Um Tom, what was the game like? What did you make of the game live? what, what was your
0: overall assessment of the, of the team's performance? Um, I, I think there were positives and negatives to be honest, even though we went we went ahead um, early on and we did look quite quite sharp in the first 10 minutes. There was just an air of, of inevitability about about the result, to be honest, uh, particularly towards the end of the game, as I've said when when they started to ring the ring the changes and bring the replacements on, it really felt as if it was a matter of time until Saracens really um, really sort of blew us away. And yeah, I, th- I think in attack there were there were promising moments. Obviously, two of the three tries were interceptions, so um, that belies a little bit, I think, of, of the at- attacking intent that we or attacking sort of uh, prowess that, that we showed. But I think in defence um, there are a lot of holes there. I mean, you you look down the list of of the tackle rates of, of a lot of the guys in the backs. Max Clark, I thought in particular, um, was was off the pace. Yeah, he struggled um, a bit, didn't he, coming yeah. back. Yeah, I, I thought we did, and I thought actually by contrast, the other Max in the centre, he, he had a really really good game. Um, um, he, I he looked, so. Yeah, he, look, he looked solid in defence, and he uh, he yeah he, he he looked comfortable with ball in hand. So I think that was one of the, one of the positives.
3: Yeah, you know, of, of a team full of changes. Uh, I think you know, two two as you say, two of the youngsters were actually standouts for me. I thought we saw a real glimpse of uh, of Darren Atkins. Who he was obviously on the podcast last Friend week. Of the podcast. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's Darren, um, and you know, uh is is we saw a glimpse of the, the style of play he was talking about. He likes to run the ball back. Uh, he cut a fantastic line to set up uh, that try for Huma. Um, and then otherwise, Max Wright I thought was. Uh, I thought you, thought you were
0: going to bring up some some stats there for Darren. I thought you were taking my role there, Charlie. <laughs> oh, no, don't
3: <laughs> right, Tom. I'll leave I'll leave that to you. So what,
0: filling the gaps. Ninety six meters made two clean breaks and, and three defenders. So yeah, he really does show his uh, you know that part of his game. Oh, it's fantastic.
3: Um, but as you say, going back to the interceptions, I was surprised. Uh, how we were still in the game come half-time because the Saracens were completely the the dominant side. And uh, if you just look at... Here are some stats for you, Tom. Uh, they had you know 59% possession of 66% territory in the first half and we still uh, went in... Um, we, we still went in... Uh, what was the score at half-time? 26-20. 26-20.
2: Yeah, yeah. We were
3: still only a try behind. Even touching distance. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, so... It does flatter us slightly, but it's a shame considering that we didn't manage to get a bonus point.
0: And I think that territory stat you mentioned—I was—I was going to bring that up because I think and that's quite a telling fact. And the reason I think that they managed to have sixty-four percent territory was because of the discipline. So, so looking at it, we gave away eleven penalties, which is the most we've given away in a game in the season, and that—that's quite a high count for uh, for, for eighty minutes, obviously. Uh, whereas Sarri's only gave away five. And it's against the top side, so Sarri's and obviously Exeter on Friday. If you give away needless penalties, but if you give away any penalties, um, it just gives them field position and they are so clinical. I mean, even even against the best offences in the league, they are so clinical when they get out close. So you can't afford to give away penalties that gives them the field position because they'll just they'll just punish it for you, uh, every time. And I think that's a real learning point uh, against Exeter. Discipline's got to be much tighter because we can't give them that uh, the opportunity to kick in the corner and, and and roll them all over the line as they've done so many times.
3: Yeah, completely. And as you say, it's the real coach killer. And we've talked about, you know, how we've especially in the last ten minutes where we've we've let teams back into it because we've been compounding uh, these yeah. these penalties, and that's what just sends it. You'll you'll give a team two compounded penalties. We'll give the team a, an eighty meter gain up the field, and then especially against the teams like Saracens, you say, who are so clinical. They're they're going to reap the the rewards.
2: Yeah, one other standout for me that you two lads haven't mentioned and I thought had a really good game was actually Chris Cook. Um, slightly disappointing first performance against Bristol and then was obviously dropped to the bench. Uh,
0: got his intercept. That um, How much does he
2: love an intercept, <laughs> off, like the line intercept out. off the
0: line-out? <laughs> how many times has he tried that off the line-out? Yeah, a lot. Time, how many times has he taken it? How many times has he just fingertips missed it? Yeah,
2: but he, he got there on Saturday and you know, he finished it well, showed, showed quite impressive pace. And I thought in defence, like, Quite strangely for a scrum half in defence, he was he was everywhere. I mean, it, it felt as though he he felt like he had a point to prove, which he probably did. Yeah. Um, given the way given the way the season started, um, what do you guys make of Cook's performance
3: in particular? Yeah, I know. Obviously, he's a fantastic line out. Uh, uh, well, well, yeah, work off the line out, I should say, uh, to make the intercept and score the try. Uh, do, you think, I, do you
0: think do you think Nathan Earle would have would have caught him if Ale Brew hadn't uh, hadn't gotten his way? I, I don't f- think he would. He he was he, he was, was quick. The, Harlequin, yeah, the Harlequins. going back to the yeah, yeah. game. Yeah, he did show impressive pace actually, yeah. Cook on on the occasion of the weekend against Saracens. And Tom Homer. Yeah, oh could not believe it. So he caught that ball pretty much in front of me where I was sitting, um, and I thought he'll have to he to find someone here, maybe Rocco. Or he was at absolute wheels. Like fair play to him. Yeah, know?
3: he did well. We uh, you probably didn't get sealed on the TV, but there was a, there was an aerial view of him running. And there was the perfect amount of space. It had, had he needed to go five more metres, he wouldn't have made it. But um it was the three Saracens players just closing in on him. He was just running out of puff, but it was brilliant. Yeah, just just with the dive dots down in the corner. But that 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 was seriously impressive, that that intercept
2: as well. Yeah. Lightning quick. I didn't know he no, he had that in his locker. Um any other points from from the game then, lads? Well, I was just, that you want to bring up just gonna ask
0: you about Jay, obviously the resident uh, resident scrum half here. How <laughs> Having seen um, Mac, a bit of Max Green and, and now Chris Cook, and, and Khan Lee coming back into the Bath United side, so he's an option now as well. Um, Will Chudley, we're not quite sure on the status of him, but hopefully he'll be back soon. How would you, you know, uh, what, what would your pecking order be for, for scrum halves uh, in the squad now? I think my pecking order
2: um, would be, I'm not sure about Chuddy, but I think my pecking order would be Lee and hopefully he's going to be available for selection come Friday, then Green, and then Cook. And although I was, as I have mentioned, impressed with Cook, I've also been impressed with Green um, over a couple of games back-to-back now prior to this one. And yeah, so there'd be my three there against the field. And then Chudley, not
0: sure where to slot him in, given that we haven't haven't seen him in a, in a Bath jersey yet. Yeah, and there's also, there's also Darren Allenson, um, yeah. who played for United when, when when we went to watch the match. Um, and Ryan Davis, and who Ryan, can play yeah. both, both positions half uh, in a half-back. So it's real strength and depth in that position.
3: Yeah, it just highlights, uh, in a way, how... The nine jersey was a position we were quite worried about uh, at the start of the season um, in the strength and depth. But I think, you know, uh, having had these injuries, um, the likes of Cook and Max Green, who we probably were thought down the lower end of uh, of the spectrum, uh, really? they've stepped up and they've been they've been solid. What?
0: <laughs> what you'd have you'd have Chris Cook towards the bottom of those those six guys.
3: Well, no, of, of if Chudley and Lehi are back in, then they're they're up there there's been two new signings yeah I'd, I'd probably say Cook came in ahead of head
0: of Chudley but anyway anyway
2: yeah um, just the <laughs> last thing on this game then um, I just probably right for us to point out uh, and just say well done to Saracens they were absolutely fantastic weren't they and they can beat you from anywhere they can beat you up front they can beat you out wide um, and yeah kudos to those they're really good they're a really good side um, and that's where we that's
0: where we really want to be
3: yeah, Alex Goode had one of the best performances I've seen uh, in a 15 yeah. jersey for a long long time I
0: think there's a, there's a, there's a I think it's tennis as uh, a, a, quite a famous quote um, I can't remember who remember who's, it's about but um, it was like oh everyone was playing tennis in whatever tournament it was and and, and he was playing something completely different and that's being there live what I thought about Alex Goode I haven't seen a performance that good an individual performance that good for such a long time the Liam Williams third try the little offload over the top was absolutely oh, yeah. insane it's a shame that he can't uh, catch a high ball at international level otherwise I'm sure he'd have quite a few <laughs> England yeah. cuts to his name yeah so.
3: but uh, just one last point I um, just want to really address this to Allianz Park why in the world after the first try was uh football's coming home being played over the loudspeakers uh, I heard it on the TV and I, I thought it was the most disgraceful thing I've, I've ever heard in the rugby stadium so uh, <laughs> let's have no more of that please uh, Allianz Park but um,
0: yeah I think- also it's so far away I mean I know Saracens are like you know European champions premiership champions seriously good side but uh, I wouldn't trade uh, being a Saracens fan for anything we, we have a short walk into, into the city centre to go and watch Bath at the wreck Saras- Allianz Park is an absolute trek you know, you get a bus there, and you still got a twenty-minute walk and you're in the middle of nowhere. It was a good atmosphere, but uh, yeah, it is it's really really. Oh, that's really why we
3: love nowhere. the rec so much, yeah. don't we? You five minutes to be in a pub.
0: Yeah, Saracens bringing
2: Alex Gould on Saturday was like bringing a gun to a knife fight. I reckon. Right, moving on to the interview we had um, earlier in the week, we we did this before the Saracens game. We were very kindly invited up to to Farley Farley House, um, and we managed to sit down with England and Bath star Charlie Ows. Here's what he had to say. Me and Charlie have come up to Farley House today to meet with Bath star Charlie Yule.
1: Charlie, how are you feeling, mate? Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's just good day training today. Sun's out, so yeah, life's good. How's the how's the ankle? Um, all back to all back together. Rehab went well. Yeah. So, uh, so initially it was going to be sort of six to eight weeks with ankle, and then the ankle stuff went well, and then I had a bit of a, a midfoot issue, and then that was sort of another six to eight weeks, and then. Sort of that then just dragged on a little bit longer, so the whole process took longer than initially thought. But yeah. luckily, that all was in sort of off season, yeah. pre season time, so I wasn't missing oh. too many games. Um, but now it feels good now, and I'm confident back on it and feeling fit. So, yeah, we yeah, I
3: noticed mean, so you had a couple of run outs with the Bath Nice teams
1: that <laughs> helped with the recovery process, yeah, um, yes, yeah, because you can you can do all the running and stuff you want here but ultimately the game fitness the only way you get that is is by playing and then the the stand of that competition now is a great way to sort of drop back into and then get a decent blow on
2: what was the the hardest thing that you found like obviously being out injured for for such a long period of time what was the most difficult Part
1: of that for you personally. Um, the I struggle. It's it's. I, um, it's always good when you've got an insight, and then when that end goal gets moved. Yeah. So like initially I said it was six to eight weeks. So I was like, okay, great. I'll you know I'll work really hard for six to eight weeks. I'll get fit, and then I'll be back, and then I'll be in with the boys for pre-season, and then, then that gets oh actually no, it's another six weeks. Yeah. Then you get hard. Oh, that's right. the frustration. Of it and then well. you hit that, and then that one drag on a little bit. So that's probably the hardest bit mentally. Um, but then the actual sort of, like we our physios are amazing. We've got great rehab s So the time you are injured, you're not training water. You. you are getting better. Um, but like I say, you just, no one wants to be injured. And obviously you were, that, that period was during the summer. Were you, were you up here a lot? Um, yes. Bali, yeah, yeah. um Doing all your rehab. Yeah, so they, um, so most of the guys finish the season and get five weeks off and they come in and do pre-season. Um, I sort of, where I was injured, mine was slightly different. So I had a week off. And then I would do... They sort of gave me some time, but I would come in and say, do like four weeks of rehab, have a week off, four weeks of rehab, have a week off. So I didn't end up with sort of the same holidays as the other guys, but it was quite nice to sort of come in, go for a bit, come in, go.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's good. Just great to hear that you're back fit, ready for selection. Um, But obviously there's a lot of competition in the second row Dave, Dave Atwood's back and firing uh, Eddie Stook's playing very well on the pitch I mean mentioning Stook do you reckon you could have thrown that pass to the weekends? you've been giving it a lot of chat this week I, I taught him that pass taught him the pass <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, It was uh, something most fly
1: halves would be pretty proud of. But, yeah, yeah. Nah, he, now nah, fair play to him. Now nah. he does, um, he backs himself and he does have a good skill set. So yeah. you need both of those things to throw that yeah. pass. Cause, you know, but first you've got this one thing out to be able to throw it and this another thing about to be able to throw it in a in game when yeah, exactly. it's wet. yeah, it's wet, yeah. And then um, I have the audacity to give it to John Cena. <laughs> <ball>. Yeah. John <laughs> <laughs> Cena on the way back <laughs> to the halfway line. I'm up. sure he hasn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've obviously been at Bath for a while now,
2: like... What do you think has changed most about, about the club and about, about the set of obviously a couple of coaches, but like, what do you think generally has changed um, about the club since you, since you joined and entered the academy?
1: Um, I don't know. I feel that there's... Uh, it was always the... So I... What was this now? It was my sixth year. Um, when you come in, in the academy, obviously you see things very differently, which I'd never seen a professional rugby club before. I didn't really know how it all worked. And I think probably the biggest growth in, in, in that I've seen, particularly in the last three years, has been like the vision Yeah. Uh, In terms of before, it was like okay, yeah, we're a Premiership club. We just we exist to win games and try and win the Premiership. But now there's actually that vision's moved to to that's actually an attainable goal. So before it would have been like okay, well, yeah, we'll just see how things go and you know we'll we'll just do what we do because we're a Premiership club. Now it's like no, no. Here's the plan. Here's how we're going to do it. And this is where we're going. We're going to be a dominant side in Europe. We're going to win titles. We're going to win European titles. And it might, you know, it's not happening tomorrow, but this is this is this is where we're going. So that's really exciting to be part of, and something like I say that maybe wasn't here three, four years ago, but it definitely is here now.
2: And who's who's been like who who's like pushing that? Is that like a player-driven thing, or is that a
1: coach-driven uh, thing? Or? It's it's really yeah, it's really hard because it's not a one that something yeah. like that doesn't come from one person, and that's definitely a feel thing. So. Obviously, from Bruce and Talken and those guys at the top, they trickle that down, and then Toddy grabs that as DOR and he drags it, and then ultimately, if the players don't believe it and buy into it, you're never going to get that feeling. So it's all good and well, those guys saying it, but then yeah, as a playing group, you've got to you've got to live that. Yeah, and
3: having come through the academy and now you're you know you're a regular first team member, you've obviously gone and you play for England and everything. Uh, but you've come through from the academy. So what advice would you give, for example, to the guys in the academy now? and what should they be working on? And...
1: Um, I think the probably the the main thing that I've seen and um, that the sort of the message was given to me is that if, if you're in the academy, you've got talent to to, to to get that far. If you're an 18 year old and you get signed by a professional club, you've, you've got talent. Then the thing that's going to set your apart is how hard you're willing to work with that talent. Um, and that there's a number of guys my age who I've come through age group stuff with who were unbelievably talented players and I played England 16s with them, they carved up and then they're nowhere to be seen now because they just didn't have the same hard, work yeah. ethic. Yeah, the, Some other guys who actually didn't set the world light at that age but just have worked and worked and worked and now they're sort of premiership. Yeah, if you want it enough, you'll
3: get it. Exactly,
1: that's yeah. And like I say, the fact that you're even here is that's something you've got enough talent. So then now it's just about how much you want it and how hard you're going to work yeah definitely yeah um, and you
2: you on you to obviously captain side uh, for a few games what was that experience like pretty, pretty proud
1: um, moment yeah sort of proud moment didn't sort of see it too much of the um, maybe when I, was, so I did it when I was younger and I probably saw more of like the individual achievement then yeah where I wasn't as mature whereas now yeah. I just see it more as if that's how I can help to do my bit, um, then so be it. Um, so being the match day captain is, yeah, I, it's, it's obviously a, it's a proud moment, but I think of it more as like, okay, well, this is now my responsibility to get the best out of the people around me, and, if, and how can I do that? Yeah, uh, definitely.
3: And just you know, going on to uh, some more coaching staff, et cetera. So obviously, Gervin Dempsey's come in, and he'll be doing a lot of work with, uh, with the backs. But how how's how's he been working with the pack? Has uh, have you found?
1: So yeah, no, he's he's been brilliant. Um, so yeah, he, he's predominantly so he's the sort of attack backs coach. So he obviously spends most of his time with the backs and with them, the the playmakers about what we're calling yeah. where. But then in terms of his the strike moves and the stuff is when he gets more involved with the forwards from set set play. Um, but just his level, his attention to detail, and the level of detail that he's able to put on things is that's what makes him such a good coach. And he's not the he's not the loudest character. He's not, the, he's, not the, he's not the big mouth in the chain He's, he's quite an introverted character yeah. um, but when he talks people listen because he talks with such clarity and detail and he knows exactly what he wants and how he wants it and, and guys will respond to that and respect that yeah and there's been lots of forwards have been carrying quite a lot I've noticed
3: uh, i mean really getting more into the game is big dominant packs yeah. if you felt that's a part yeah. of the game that might be you know exactly you've had a lot of improvement
1: on yeah something that I've, I've worked hard on over the um, sort of off season was to put some weight on so that I could be more dynamic when I do carry the ball uh, and it's something that as if we want to be a, a club that focuses on attacking rugby then it's we need our forwards to give us go forward, and then be able to play off the back of that um, so yeah it's something that he's done a lot of work on and then sort of the individual skills of that were worked on throughout pre-season and it's something that there's an emphasis that's been put on as a club yeah yeah and then
2: in terms of that like do you have much contact with, with eddie jones at England and stuff that he wants you to work on or is it um does it, do you have any contact with him
1: yeah so he um it's more he will so you'll sort of fall under a coach of england as well so with england i fall under sort of steve Borthwick. Okay. yeah so it's my sort of day-to-day if you like contact would be with steve and then around selection issues then eddie would then ring yeah um, but sort of day-to-day on what, what you're working on what you're doing what this that is basically eddie will I'll, I'll talk to Steve. Steve will then feedback to yeah. and
2: do you do you have you found that um, the things that you're working on here at Bar? Are the same things that that Steve's asking to work on as well. Is that is that married yeah, up? Yeah, there's now? quite.
1: The, so England are always quite conscious to not tread on the club's feet. Yeah. Um, so they'll never ask me to to work on stuff that might fall outside of club systems. So the only things that they'll ask me to work on are just like my basic skills as a rugby player that okay. any coach in the world is going to want yeah. these forwards to do. So about when you carry, when you get forward, when you beat people. There's no. never. There's no coach in the world that's going to say, "Oh no, we don't want that from <laughs> yeah. our forwards." So. That everything they do he he wouldn't specifically talk to me about oh well why did you call this line out here because yeah. that might be part of a bigger game plan yeah, the which, which then he can't get involved in but he'll look at my oh well I, I can look at how you jumped in that line out and make sure you did that to the best of your ability so yeah, and uh, just moving away from rugby quickly. So, what would you like to get up to uh, uh,
3: when, you're, when you've got some downtime? Obviously, we've, we've seen your dog running around. Um, uh, so yeah, the, the the
1: dog is the latest ho- latest. I'll say the latest hobby. Like going yeah. like I'm going to move <laughs> yeah. on to something I'll else. Don't get rid oh, of
3: that one. one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Talk so just for Christmas. Yeah. There. So no, the dog, uh, especially as he's a puppy at the moment, takes up a lot of my time. Um, he's looking at home at Folly House. He does, yeah. And no, I stately manners. He looks at London. Yeah. He, <laughs> only the best. Um, yeah, so dog. And, and sports. So did you? Uh, could you have been a dab
3: hand at something else if you if you
1: had wanted? To? Uh, I played I played basketball when I was growing up. I played a lot of basketball um, to a decent standard. And then sort of at sixteen, I had to make the choice whether to play rugby or basketball. So I yeah, picked rugby and stuck with that. But that was kind of me when I was younger. Um, but yeah, now I just sit in town go for coffee. Stereotypical rugby player and walk my dog, yeah, coffee there. with the boys. I it. It. Did you manage to go away for summer despite the injury? Or yes, I did. So I went to uh, France for a week. Um, Nick Autorak who was here last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. His so, yeah, rich friends, man. So <laughs> his, his dad's got a place in the south of France, so we oh, went. You know, went, you know exactly. We went and stayed down there for a week, which was lovely. And then did another week in France with my family, um, and then I did a few days in Barcelona. Like yeah. You say you've been to France a couple of times. If you were just this is
2: going back to back to rugby. If you were in a situation like Atwood found himself last last season, would you consider doing something like he did, like going to Toulon for uh, for a couple of months to? To get
1: fit, I think. Um, yeah, I think for for, for Dave and, and his situation and his circumstances at the time, it was a great option. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mentally to refresh. off spoke about the the struggles of injury and when you haven't got that end goal. So with his injury, he didn't have that end goal. So it was it was sort of a feeling never ending. And it's actually the mental toll of that can be can be quite a bit. So something. So like I say, for him, it, it was perfect. And I think each thing like that, you got to look at the situation for the individual. So. For me, it might not be right. For me, it might be right. So it's something that I would never say never to. The only, the only thing I would add is, obviously, if you leave England, if you leave the Premiership, you give up your England yeah, aspirations. Yeah, so. Yeah.
3: so it's it's a situational circumstances, exactly. really. Yeah. Um, but just as a, as a final question, back to, back to the rugby, uh, what would you see personally as a success for the club this season? Where would you like?
1: Um, win the Premiership and compete in Europe. Well, that, yeah, sounds good of, like that sounds good, kind of good of, to us that sounds good to us but yeah thanks, uh, thanks very much thanks for coming kind of pod Charlie no worries uh, Yeah, you yeah. Soon. Thanks, thanks for
2: having cheers. me cheers lads thanks very much uh, to Charlie for coming on the podcast and thanks to all the guys at Bath Rugby for inviting us up we really hope to get up there again uh, sometime down the line and bring you guys some more exclusive interviews moving on then fellas um, and let's talk briefly about Bath United first of all I just mentioned that they played on on the Saturday just gone um, and got a victory, our uh, first victory of the season, against Gloucester at King's Home. Uh, we ran out 37-44 win- win- winners. And winger, Rory McConachie, um, was the start with a hat-trick. Really nice to see how he's progressing. Um, and then the game prior to that, which we went to against Harlequins uh, the Monday night, um, just just gone.
3: Um,
1: up we,
2: had, we had a really good day yeah. at the REC. We had a really good evening at the REC, actually, boys. Uh, Charlie, what did, what did you make of that experience? At the yeah,
3: wreck? it was fantastic. Um, we told you a couple of pods back that we'd uh, we'd find out the price uh, per ticket for you. It turns out it is free. I think there are charitable donations that uh, can, can be made on the door as well. Um, but it's yeah, fantastic. Do get down. Uh, you see some great rugby. You see some of the young stars coming through, uh, even some of the older ones coming back from injury. And uh, there's no queue for the beers. So it's fantastic. Yeah, we had a great evening.
2: Yeah, really recommend that. Really recommend going down. Um, we had a brilliant evening there. So, boys, the other big talking point um, this week was the open letter that was uh, sent to the fans by Bath CEO Tarquin McDonald, um, and this put to bed a bit of speculation about Blackadder's future. Um, a few, a few points which he just tied up, um, and I'll give the main, the main details, and then, and then we'll have a, a, a chat about it. What we think. So, really, the main news from the letter was that Hooper will be the successor of Blackadder. It was almost predicted, but that was confirmed. That will be either in 2020 or 2021, whenever the club see fit. Forwards coach Toby Booth and bats coach Darren Edwards will be moving on at the end of this season. And the club will be looking to bring in one junior and one senior person to replace them. Um, and the other thing to pick out from the open letter was that there'll be an emphasis on homegrown talent here going forward for Bath Rugby with an aim of 50% homegrown talent in the squad by 2022-23. Now, Tom, I know you've spent your working day today trawling through that uh, open letter from, from Tarkin McDowell. I've been McDonald. working hard, been working hard. So... Um, what did you? What do you make of the um, the overall? You know the, the fact that it was it was done like this. The, the fact that it was an open letter and that's how
0: it was addressed and all the information was given out. I, I think it's a really positive um, like way of communicating uh, a message to fans. Like you know, uh, particularly around sort of the mixed results this season, um, there have been quite a lot of sort of negative uh, messages um, and negative rumours um, surrounding the club. So I think it's really good. Um, Firstly, to, to quash those rumours, and secondly, to give the fans a bit of long-term clarity about what the um, what the actual the plan is. Um, you know, we, we've spoken a bit about the lack of transparency um, in the league and in the club, um, and I think that this is a really good step in, in the right direction. Um, you know, and and some of the letter, granted, is just the normal sort of spiel that you hear um, about long-term vision. But there are actually some really good details in there, and I think you've you've picked them out there. Um, The emphasis on the on the homegrown talent as well. I think the letter actually mentions um, Exeter and Leinster as as being examples, um, you know, a model where where that try to to, to follow homegrown talent, and we're we're trying to sort of um, you know copy that in some way. Um, You know, also developing as well as developing players. There was also a point made about developing coaches. So Andy Rock, who's obviously with the academy, Ryan Davis. Um, yeah. and Mark Lilly who went with yeah. the backs and, and forwards respectively so yeah um I think it's really positive um and hopefully we see some of the you know uh, the plans come to fruition what do you make of Charlie
3: yeah well Stuart Hoop is uh, you know he, he was he was rumoured to be taking over from Mike Ford back in the day that he retired um uh and i think the way they've been bringing him in, they've been they've been you know grooming him up to be this head coach for a long time and hopefully the day that he does take over uh that the, the time we spent waiting will be worth it uh but uh i think when it comes to the time when when they see fit it's uh it, it seems like the most sensible move the uh the the homegrown players coming through as well we saw the likes of you know miles reed looks really impressive uh mm. i've seen a few interviews with of couldn't be more delighted uh, to be playing in a Bath Bath jersey, and that's what I love to see uh, with with uh, the Academy boys coming through. Um, but I think all in all, it's 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 good news, uh, and the prospects that the club have, and the ambitions that the club have in mind uh, are all just pleasing. It's great to hear. It's great to hear the likes of Charlie Yule's that we just had on the interview uh, talking about his ambitions just to win the league, um, and that's what we all want. We all want the same thing. So it's 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 good news in my book.
2: Yeah, Tom, you're preaching to the converted here with me about the openness of the club. I absolutely loved um, the way that the club did this. I love the fact that they've they've laid it all down um, in the open and said, "Look, this is what we're trying to do. This is what um, this is what we want to do over the next sort of three four years." And I really enjoyed that. The other thing I enjoyed was the um, the as you mentioned there the the fact that they're looking to improve both Mark Lily and Ryan Davis, of course, both. Um, both former Bath players as well. So yeah, that's that's really a positive step. The only the only slight um disappointing thing from my end was the the way that we've left um that we've let Toby Booth and, and Darren Edwards go. Um, obviously I don't know the ins and outs of and the workings of the club, but I I really have seen them to be integral integral parts of the um of the coaching system over over many a year now. Toby Booth has has been well recognised um, in many by many people um, as being a really high quality forwards coach, um, and Darren Edwards as well. I know when um, when we had that uh, that season when we got to the final under Mike Ford, he was he was a really pivotal cog in the in the backline that we developed there, um, and the skills of that backline of Ford of Eastman of Joseph. So two guys there that um, I'm slightly sad to see move on. Um, they've been absolutely brilliant for the club, but then again. Um, it's always good to to re- regenerate your your coaches um, to bring in new ideas and bring in new faces.
3: So I guess that's what they're what's they're looking today. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you don't you can't always have the I, I you know we don't know, hundred percent the atmosphere in 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 the club or, or how these how these. Uh, how these uh, guys are guys are viewed by the players etc but all we've heard as you say is, is great things about them so uh it's it will be sad to see them move on and they've they've been fantastic servants of the club as you say so uh we couldn't we couldn't praise them high enough
0: yeah and I, yeah I, yeah I, I just echo those those thoughts i mean they've been there seven years and five years um respectively you know and these do things do have their you know you know the good things can come to an end really i think um it's a positive step on the on the on the rugby staff side of things and i think that um we're really leading the pack um potentially when it comes to looking at new ways to improve the playing squad so the letter actually mentions um Katie Warner, um and also uh, pierre broncon who's obviously been brought in with a specific role of uh trying to um increase the number of homegrown uh, talent so uh, i think it's really good and i think we're looking at at, at the game um uh, in a different way to a lot of clubs so i think that's positive
2: yeah, all in all, a pretty positive letter uh, from our part. So, um, well done on on that front. Now then, lads, let's have a quick look ahead um, to the to the extra game at the weekend. Um, obviously, a Friday night game back at the Rec. I'm going to be there, Charlie. You're hoping to be there as well. Yeah. Um, I'm really really looking forward to it. It's my first game this season. Can't wait to see the boys in action. Um, Exeter obviously beat Worcester uh, the weekend just gone 28/11 at Sandy Park picking up their fourth maximum point tally out of the five games of the season. Um, Charlie, what did you what did you make of the the extra performance and what have you made of them so far this season?
3: Yeah, they're just uh, brutally clinical and physical as you say. They're the most dangerous team from 5 meters out. Uh, stick it up the jumper and hopefully be able to match them uh, match them up front. Uh because they are the most dominant team in, in the league in, in, in that respect, um, uh, as we say, if we got a full team back and hopefully we'll have that front row back uh, of cat um, Dunn and uh, and Henry Thomas, so we've looked so dangerous in the scrum, so uh, hopefully we can we can turn them over in, in, in that respect uh, but it's it's going to be a physical physical encounter, lots of big hits uh, what, what are you expecting Tom
0: uh yeah. I think it's a clash of two potentially quite quite similar styles um, on Friday night. Obviously under the lights, um, I think it'll be a very very physical game. And looking at the extra team, like you know, um, they're just a very very well drilled pack. In particular, they they all know their roles and they work cohesively very very well together. They're maybe not. They don't have necessarily the stars. Um, you know, the star-studded lineup, particularly in the pack. But yeah, they all know their roles. They are they are very very powerful. Um, I think we just need to try and step up and, and, and match that physicality. Um, you know, the mall is very, very important for them. Um, we, we saw that set-piece struggled um, against Saracens, but prior to that game, it's been very good. So, um, yeah, I, I think we've got a real good opportunity to to try and sort of beat them at their own game this uh, this Friday. So I'm excited for it.
2: Yeah, the game line is, um, you know, it's a it's a cliche, isn't it? But the game line is where this one will be won or lost.
3: Um, I do love a cliche. <laughs> yeah,
2: they'll be they're going to be bringing their forwards around the corner. We're going to be bringing our forwards around the corner, and it's about you know who can get the forward momentum um, and and release the the the, the dangerous. Dangerous outside backs on both teams.
3: Yes, and I, of course I agree. And I have greeted your point, Tom. I will make another cliche: they're greater than the sum of their parts. Is what I think you were trying to say. <laughs> you could have just summed it up in one line. Yeah, but they're not. They're not just a physical team. There. We saw how they played against Wasps earlier on in the season, and they they scored many a try from fifty meters out, turned over Wasps at the rico. Um, but we're just we're just hoping. That uh, we're just hoping that having had these players rest, uh, rested um, this weekend, as we've spoken about already, that we can come out fully fit, fully firing, full strength team, uh, and give it give it everything we got uh, at, at home at the Rec, which does count. Which does count.
2: Yeah, this um, this may seem like a, a strange thing to say, um, and we have we have built up Exeter, and they have got twenty four points out of twenty five, but I wouldn't think they've been as impressive. This season, as they have been um, on other seasons, the the Worcester victory, yeah, okay, they got the four points, um, but they weren't as their their normal dominant selves. And again, the previous week, I felt um, I mentioned on last week's pod against Newcastle when they didn't manage to get the the four try bonus point, um, and they did struggle and they did make errors, which is extremely unlike Exeter. So um, whilst I do see it, it's probably a two horse race at the top of the league. I think that um, well. Shock! I'm quite confident about it this week. How <laughs> <Because laughs> yeah. did
3: that out of that Bath by 15 prediction <laughs> come on, Gabriel? Look, boys, if we can stop their runners on
2: the game line, have back rowers players, hopefully underhill who back, have back rowers like underhill, um, slowing the ball down, then there's no reason why we can't we can't beat Exeter uh, this weekend, boys. I'm pretty confident, and I'm not as impressed with Exeter as I have been um, in past seasons.
3: No, I I know, and teams do have their ups and downs. You know, they they you would have liked to see next go gone and put you know, a huge a huge score on top of on top of Worcester at, at home, um, but the real difference you could say, and we've spoken about it over this season, is consistency. And Exeter are just extremely consistent. They've been in three finals in a row, uh, whereas you know look at the way Bath are playing we've we've just we've been heavily turned over by Saracens this weekend you know albeit selections aside uh we got beaten by Bristol at the start of the season already this season there has been those inconsistencies um but I just hope that the team is starting to gel properly and we do put out a good performance you know what do you think Tom
0: yeah, I mean, the other point I was, I was going to make on this is, you know, Charlie brought up the, the Wasps game and that was a game that was very much nip and tuck throughout the whole game. And then in the last 10 minutes, Exeter were able to sort of find the ammunition um, to get the win. And that's something that we've really, really struggled with. We've spoken about putting in 60, 70-minute performances. Um, and I think that whereas we've got the ability to match them up front, my worry this, week, this Friday is that we'll put in a good 60, 70-minute performance again and then Exeter will just manage somehow um, to get the win, um, they're so good at winning those games late on with the with the pick and drive when you know uh, for, the forwards are tired. So um, hopefully the emphasis this 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 uh, this week in training will be on really having a full eighty minute performance and uh, the the substitutes coming on and, and really having an impact. Um,
2: yeah, I'd imagine that we might be able to improve on that just given the fact that the players should be reasonably well rested. Yeah. Um, given that it was a very different twenty three. Um, last week so if it is a if it is a tiredness factor uh, the players may be well rested and therefore we may be able to put in a an 80 minutes we des- obviously desperately need and I'm looking
0: down the squad list i think i think that's exactly right so um i think i think the only four forwards in the whole squad that won't be available for selection are urbano lahif garvey and, and it's just been announced that francois lowe um won't be available to play um however we'll be getting sam underhill back and um, obviously the full complement um in the second row as well so uh yeah, they're definitely well rested and, and top quality players to choose from.
3: Yeah, so obviously we're looking to make changes. So what changes oh, really? would we be making then? 13.
2: <laughs> well yeah. Might, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably gonna be a well I you'd imagine it'll be a very um much different looking bath side um this weekend, as we saw, as as opposed to the one we saw against uh, Saracens at Allianz Park, um, the pack will be will be much changed. I imagine we'll have two new second rowers, a whole new front row, um, and the majority of the back row will probably be changed as well. the The interesting one will be at will be at scrum half for me. Um, I didn't mention it when I spoke about Bath United, but uh, Batty, Fotuali'i, and Cooper Vuna all made their returns. So it'd be interesting to see if Fotuali'i does come into the side um, at nine. I'd imagine Burns be at ten, and then and then and then the backline as we know it. Um,
3: that's how that's how I see us going. Yeah, so you're saying similar to uh, to the Gloucester and Northampton.
2: I'd imagine sides. so. With with maybe a
3: change at scrum half. Yeah, photo Fotolia back in, I guess. Uh, and you know, uh, I I strongly agree with most of what you're saying. Uh, I'd probably like to see you know, Atwood come back in, and because Atwood back in. Probably partnered by by Yule's and then Stuke on the bench. Uh, I feel that's our strongest our strongest second row partnership.
0: Yeah, maybe a bit of a controversial one from me here. I'd like to see Atwood come back in, obviously. I'd like to see Charteris um, start on the mm. second row as well. I think he's been really, really good, particularly in the line-out um, uh, you know, and at mall time. And I think that's going to be a really crucial um, element of the game against Hexter. So I'd like to see him, him come back in. Obviously, he wasn't available to play against Saracens
2: yeah really big game um this weekend boys uh, for a couple of reasons one let's justify the selection of last week and two you know let's build a bit of confidence going through a really really tough um pool stage in the Champions Cup Charlie, your predictions have been pretty good so far this season mate what how do you see this one going um and give a give a prediction
3: yeah, I feel it's gonna be a tight one um again uh oh I don't like to say it, but I think we may just get turned over. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my uh, my heart uh, lower than my head at the moment. Uh, so I'm gonna probably say Exeter by five. I'd be happy with the. Oh well, no, I wouldn't be happy with the losing bonus point. But I think that's what we're we're probably gonna be sent home with. Sadly, um, Tom.
0: Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably tend to agree with you. I just had a quick look at the forecast, then, and, and it's set for a set for a dry night um, at the wreck. Um, I, I see us starting really well, um, potentially getting ahead, and then as I've said, I, I just see um, Exeter having having the ammunition at the end to to get across the line. Um, I'd be really disappointed if we weren't able to get anything from the game, um, uh, because I think I think I think we should be able to. So I, I'm going to go for Exeter by six.
3: And here we go. How many points of Bath <laughs> winning by Gabriel? Ten. <laughs> <laughs> nah. well.
2: I do firmly believe it as well. Um, I think we're going to have, a, obviously, a full-strength side-back. Um, we're going to be raring to go. Selection, um, selection is is up for grabs for the following week against... Uh, is it to lose the first game at home? in the Champions uh, yeah, lose, Cup yeah. yeah selection you know there's, there's selection dilemmas for Todd the players are going to be fighting for, for those jerseys um, and I really think we're going to see the best performance of Bath season on Friday um, and I'm pretty confident and I'm really really excited about going down there um, going down to the wreck and watching these boys play
3: yeah no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it because it's going to be we're sat in 6th currently in the table so uh, this is you know, obviously, one of those those are early early markers as we go into the Champions Cup. Uh, so if we can be sat up near the top of the table, it'll it'll you know give us a strong hopes for the rest of the season.
0: We haven't really mentioned it, but do you boys think there's any chance that um, Blackadder won't pick our strongest side?
3: No, I think I think what is the the way he's the way he's, uh, he's 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 gone about this this weekend against Saracens. Uh, he made it quite clear that they were going up for the losing bonus point. I think he he which is that's what makes it it's quite tough to tough to take is he didn't even have the win in sights. Uh, I think he admitted himself. But um uh it's it's I think he's 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 gonna be making changes. Yeah, I that. think he's gonna put a full strength team out. I think as you say all coaches would agree with you that win all your home games, win as many as you can on the road and you should be there and thereabouts. No, I
2: think he's and he spoke as well about um the fact that he's picked two sides um, effectively for these for these two games and now he's been running two sides and therefore I think it will be a completely different side um, to the one we saw at Saracens um, so there we go boys another podcast down um, really enjoyed this one um, a lot of chat uh, a lot of news to cover um, so yeah thank you very much for all your support, the listeners. Um, we really, we really do appreciate it. We're at Bath Rugby Plug um, on Twitter. So get in touch with us, with your questions, with your queries, with anything, with anything you want to, um, or anything you want to say, any points you've got to make and we'll bring them up on the podcast. Um, and if you are going down to the rec, have a have a great evening um, sing your hearts out get behind the boys another West Country Derby to look forward to and another West Country Derby which we'll be previewing we'll be reviewing on next week's pod at the same time next week so join us for that thank you Charlie thanks guys and thanks Tom cheers mate